Good evening, everybody, and welcome to our very special Game of the Year episode for STGC. As always, I am one of your hosts, John, a.k.a. Mr. Megadev on Twitter, and we have a full panel tonight. Look how we got Reb dancing up in the corner. I fucking love, I love how happy everybody is. We were just talking before we went live about this is like one of the happiest fucking episodes we've ever had so far. Like, this is, this is fantastic. Oh, are we all here? We're all here. Like, we're almost just about. There's something about Reb and her cheerfulness that she's got the energy in a bad mood. The only members of the show we are missing, the only members of the group we're missing right now, we're missing Brandon, which is unusual. We're missing JT because he doesn't show up to these so much. He's more back end, and like Gabe, who's been kind of doing his own thing for a bit. Because we even got Lulu in chat. So yeah, we're 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 and we have someone else. Everyone is here. Everyone is here, so we might as well just call this Super Smash SDGC. Yeah. Oh my lord! The greatest yeah. crossover yeah. event in podcast history. Although I do, before we begin, I do want to publicly, on behalf of everybody in the podcast, congratulate Finn and Caitlin for their recent wedding. We could not be happier for you guys. And uh, we love you both, and we are so very happy for both of you. You're both wonderful people, and uh, you know I joke around a lot. I, 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 I joke around a lot about Saki, but we are all our, our lives are all blessed and enriched to have you as a both a, both True. as a part of them. The so Saki is blessed blessed. indeed. Yes. Mm-hmm. All so, right. So, John, explain explain the format for people. One, one thing so, before we go, for those of you who saw our um, our video and our promo that we were throwing all over the Twitter places. Uh, that's thanks to Lulu, Lulu Boo in chat, Bolt Buns, um, who is the most recent addition to our group, and she's helping us with a lot of uh, video production stuff and advertising stuff, and we're going to do more of that going forward. Uh, so thanks to Lulu slash Bolt Buns in chat. She is Absolutely. killing it on the video editing and production front, so thank you yeah. for that, Lulu. We appreciate that. Yes. Lulu. All right. Did we get her Twitter handle in there? <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's, 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 yeah, type it into chat, because if you try yeah. to say it, it's... Yeah, yeah, it's a mouthful. So yeah. let me uh, let me let me. So let me explain to the people how this is going to go. So we are. So everybody on this panel has a game of the year and a runner-up. And what we're going to do is we're going to go through everybody's number two. Everybody's going to talk about their number two game. We're going to go down the line, and then we're going to talk about everybody's number one game. Um, and uh, I, I expect it to get zesty. I expect it to get spicy. Everybody in chat, feel free to. Uh, throw your throw your games of the year at us as well. Um, all we ask is that you respect our decisions, respect the games that we love, and uh, just please don't throw any insults in chat. Not that anybody would, but I just want to throw it out there. Yes, uh, it's a celebration of what we love. Not it's a celebration a of games. God damn it! It's not a ranking. There's no right or wrong. This is just what we personally loved, and there's no need to attack people for Although games I will, that they enjoyed. I will say, Finn. I will point out that my game of the year is is uh, indicative of the podcast's game of the year. So I just. Want to, John, I'm, we I'm can't like a, make Final Fantasy VI the game of the year I'm every year. We don't year. have to because there's. Make the different Reb. So let's go ahead and let's go ahead and kick this off. And first up, uh, so and again, this, so this these are runner-up games, and we're gonna have a short discussion about uh, every single one, uh, why you loved it, why it's your runner-up, and we are going to start with Rebecca. I finally stopped 
reviewing games this year and it was like the best thing in the world that I did because instead of playing a bunch of games I didn't really care about, I played just a ton of indies that I loved. And so all my year was just indies and Pokemon. And so my runner-up ended up being Celeste, which I know is probably going to kill somebody, maybe John, that it wasn't my game of the year. Um, but that game just, it hit me. I mean, it hit everybody, I think, who played it, like, in a really particular way. I mean, you know, it deals with, you know, these metaphors of anxiety and overcoming, you know, internal conflict and, and challenges and things like that. It's also just a really sharp platformer. I mean, it's so fun to play. It's difficult, but with its accessibility controls and stuff, it never... It feels like exactly where it needs to be in terms of difficulty. Like, I feel that I can overcome this challenge if I just push a little bit harder, and then I do it, I've got it, and then I don't have to go back again, because it's really smart about the way that it puts you right back where you were, so you don't have to constantly redo the things that you've already done before. But I think the thing that really clenched it for, like, my runner-up um, is the final sequence when she's climbing the mountain. Um, that last stage, like when you get to those little number markers and you're getting up the top at every single one, and then you look in the binoculars and you can look up and you can see the top of the mountain and it's right there, like in the music and just like, I, I was like crying while I was doing, I'm like tearing up right now. Like I haven't played anything that made me feel so exhilarated like that before in like ever. I mean, I just, I felt so good about doing it and so happy. Um, it didn't quite make Game of the Year for me because it did feel really heavy-handed on its metaphors towards the middle, um, and there was a lot of the game that I ended up not being able to access just because it, it did end up being too challenging after after the ending. Like, I wasn't able to enjoy any of the post-game content. But God, that game just made me feel so good and strong and proud and shit, it's good. When you're talking about the, the, the post-game challenges and stuff, are you referring to the B-sides? Yeah, the B-sides, the C-sides. Um, I honestly, I barely got through uh, Chapter 8 the heart of the mountain. Mm. Um, I, I did eventually make it, but it like that one actually, it wasn't as enjoyable for me as the other ones were. I thought, I thought the message it sent was really good, but it just, it, I found it really, really. That's fantastic. I love the fashion. That's great. Thank you, Rebecca. And uh, let's, uh, so next we got Finn. Finn, why don't you talk uh, briefly about your runner up for okay. game of the year? So for those that know me, uh, I'm actually, I, I'm making a last second twist because Piscatella talked about it before so i'm oh, that's right my original plan because i was i was waffling but for those that know me uh you might be surprised it's number two and not number one because there there's a certain uh fictional character that i proclaim to be the greatest of all time and everyone seems to laugh and look down upon me for it but uh he sucks you know what <laughs> Lord the greatest character in Dragon Ball. The divorce is happening early. And it's okay. We know she's just trying to rile me up. But Lord Yamcha is the greatest character in Dragon Ball. And finally, it took until the year of our Lord 2018 for him really to get the respect that he's due. And a big part of that is Dragon Ball Fighters, or as I like to internally think of it, Dragon Ball Fighter Z, because I'm a rebel. Uh, and Yamcha is one of the greatest characters in that game. And just overall as a package, as a, even if you're not a Dragon Ball fan, it's still just a really good and well-polished fighting game. And as someone who is of, I guess I would say, a non-existent skill in fighting games, I still had so much fun learning this. It made me actually want to try and get better at a genre I've only casually dabbled in before. Uh, Presentation-wise, it completely nails the show. It does tag matches better than uh, like it. 
is right up there with the heyday of Marvel versus Capcom. Visually, you cannot, you, you look at that and you go, well, I actually wish the show looked this good. Um, yeah. Everything about it is a love letter to the fans and to the genre. And watching it is almost as much fun as playing it. And that comes from someone that does not even enjoy the concept of Let's Plays. But just watching someone know what they're doing while playing this game. I just had so much fun with it. The what if scenarios, playing online. The first person I ever played online is our good friend Kogasu. Uh, we spent like three hours playing each other online in that game. It was it was an absolute blast. Finn, um, Finn, I I gotta say, hearing you talk about this, this game didn't do a ton for me, but like hearing you talk about it, like it just makes me happy. You sounds it sounds like it's like a spiritual journey for you. I just I love it. <laughs> Look, and I appreciate that because <laughs> the first time. I played as Yamcha and I pulled off <laughs> the, the Wolf Fang Fist Ultra and beat my first opponent online. That, that it pretty much might as well have been a spiritual awakening for me. Like yeah. <laughs> I ascended into a higher plane of existence and just you the could rest say you of rose. You rose. I mean, you know, wedding notwithstanding, the rest of 2018 was just a sharp decline because <laughs> we started off so strong. And you know it, it oh, man. You're flirting with fighters. disaster, Finn. You're you're flirting with disaster here. I, I have to chime in on this game just because I don't really play fighting games, and I bounced off this one like I always do. But I have to give it credit because I've played. Uh, I bought Street Fighter Five. Unfortunately, uh, I tried Guilty Gear because uh, I heard I had a great tutorial system. I have tried fighting games over and over again, and although I still didn't end up sticking with Fighter's Head, um, I, it was the. <laughs> it was the first fighting game where like i was like okay i can handle these controls the combos were not uh inaccessible like i didn't feel like i had to write down like a big math formula on a napkin to remember how to pull off a move and uh i was able to play online and be competitive and even in the matches that i lost i felt like that was fair like i screwed this up i felt like i could do better i felt like i understood whereas normally i get into a fighting game and I go through all the tutorials, I understand everything, and then I get into a match, and I have no idea what the fuck I'm doing. And it's just like, I'm just up against the wall, and I can't break out of it, but in Z, I felt like I always had a chance. I could always fight back, and I it's amazing because the visuals are so flashy, and there's so much going on on screen, but I could digest all of it. It was all presented in a way that I understood what was going on, so. That's one of the things I really loved about that is because the genre itself is usually so dense and not very welcoming, that they knew Dragon Ball would bring in people that had never touched a fighting game before. And, or if they had not competitively, it brought in a lot of new people and they treated it as a, it, it reminded me a little bit of Smash Brothers in the sense that it was a very easy to pick up game. The controls were very laid out for you and you can still pull off flashy stuff and look cool and have fun. But then if you wanted to be competitive and delve into the deep mechanics and pull out the layers of the onion, there was also a lot to offer you there, but it was from the start so accessible to so many people that I really appreciated it for that. Okay. I think I would have cried if that game was that good and I couldn't play it at all. Awesome. Fantastic. And uh, Finn, that was a great breakdown, man. Appreciate that. Thank you. Um, real quick, I just want to give a shout out to the chat. We've got a full chat. It, there's a lot of people in there, a lot of great discussion going on. And I see a lot of names that I don't recognize. So welcome, guys. Welcome to SDGC. We're glad you're here. Please feel free to ask us questions. Um, we'll answer them after the show if we can, if we have time. Uh, and if not, we'll get to them next time we're on. But we are very happy to see everybody here. Uh, okay, so I am next up on the docket. And I want to talk about my runner-up, which, of course, is The Quiet Man, uh, published by Square Enix. <laughs> 
Just a fucking phenomenal experience from start to finish. Don't you do this to me, John? You no, 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 no. So my runner-up. There's a lovely accolades trailer for it today. It was that was something else. Um, so my runner-up for game of the year is God of War, uh, and uh, for not just because it's a fantastic game, but for what it made me feel as a former as a former Marine, uh, as somebody who has been to combat. Um, and what I mean by this is, uh, and I'll I'll reference a, a conversation I had with Corey Barlog at PAX West when I told him I said, you know. I said, what meant the most to me about your about about what you've done with God of War? My favorite scene in the entire game uh, is the very opening, the very first thing you see when Kratos is looking at that golden handprint on the tree. And most people might think, you know, oh, look at the detail in Kratos's beard, or you know, look at the fucking, you know, look at the texture on the bark. But what I thought, I was looking at Kratos's face the whole time, and he had that look of regret and sorrow for all the things he's done on his face, which is something that I, as somebody who has been to war and has been forced into situations where I have done what I needed to do to, to survive and, you know, help my Marines survive. Um, you know, that's, that, that is only, that, that's the regret that only a soldier or Marine could possibly know. And so when I see that, um, it's almost like in that moment, the developer speaking to me personally. And, and I feel like I'm picking up on something that was meant just for me and a select group of people, not for everybody. And that is something that really, touched me personally um and of course you know you know i mean the game itself was phenomenal i mean it's an incredible evolution of kratos as a character uh which um as a as a father who you know has grown and matured uh ever since his son was born you know that's I'll, again that's something i can relate to as well um and and the fact that it's just a fucking phenomenal game is is all icing on the cake but that that moment that that look of regret on kratos's face honestly is what stuck with me through my playthrough i still think about it today and to date, it is really the only game I've played that has truly captured that essence of what it's like to be um, a warrior or a soldier or a Marine with uh, with regret. Uh, looking back on the years and thinking about the fact that, you know, I'm here, you know, my, my friends are here, but, you know, we all, you know, we all carry demons with us. We all carry ghosts with us. And, and what if I could go back and, and change the past? Uh, but I can't. And that's that's a cross I have to bear for the rest of my life. Um, but that is why God of War meant so much to me, and that is why it is it was neck and neck for my game of the year. And also, the axe is pretty cool. The axe, the Leviathan axe, the is, fucking axe is really dope. cool. Let's just be honest; like that is one of the coolest melee weapons in a game I've ever played. Like, did anybody else here just throw it and oh, then bring it back over oh, yeah. and over throw and over? Throw it and pull it back. Yeah. yeah. Did anyone try and just throw it and see how far away they yes. can go? Yeah, just yeah, just yeah. by arcing it. Yeah. yeah. One of my favorite oh, things it. was like, like I don't know. Did you guys ever throw it into a fucking snowdrift? Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah, and the way yeah. it comes oh, out. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. so We're good. It's so... Or down a hallway with a ton of boxes and barrels yeah. and then just pull <laughs> it back. <laughs> yeah. It's so, it's, it's, a... it, it's so fucking good. But It's a but good video game. It really, really is. Yeah. And uh, I'm very excited to see what uh, what uh, what Corey Barlog and his team are going to, are going to you know, hand us, hand, you know, hand it. Yeah, so, so I get all emotional when I start thinking about, you know, kind of the... The emo you know, the feelings that 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 scene in God of War uh, kind of stirred up in me. So, uh, so that's it for me for uh, my runner-up, uh, and we will move on to Maddie. You're next up on the docket. All right, uh, mine is Return of the Oberdin, um, mm. which I don't know if did any of you guys play it. I really I want. No, I had a chance to yet. 
Can you not totally It is so. I won't spoil it. That would be brutal if Manny just came in here and spoiled the Here it is. You guys had your time. You had a month. So, Return of the Oberdin, for people who don't know, it's basically in the early 20th century, you are an insurance claims adjuster who is sent out to the ship. Yeah, it's really great. I actually really like it. It sounds interesting to me. Yeah, I really like the the framing of that. Um, but like the Oberdin went on a voyage, uh, came back, and nobody was on it. Uh, there were a lot of bodies and remains, um, but there was no living people on board. So you get on there, and you have a magical, uh, not stopwatch, um, pocket watch. Oh, pocket watch. Yeah, and you go up to the remains, and it basically teleports you to the moment of the people's death. Uh, just one frame. And you might hear like a little bit of audio from like their last words or something, but that's it. That's all you get. Um, so you have, there's like 70 something people on board. Um, and you have a notebook that's a manifest with um, everybody's names, their uh, station on the ship, and their nationality. And that's all, all the information you get. So you have to go through to every person and figure out what happened to them. And, um, I mean, you have to figure out what happened to them and if they were killed by what. Um, and it only confirms when you get three. So you can't just kind of guess willy-nilly. Um, but it leads to a lot of situations where you're, like, drawing these weird conclusions based on, like, behavior. And, like, you'll you'll catch a snippet of a conversation. You'll be like, I don't think this guy likes that person. And then ten scenes later, you see them interacting with somebody else. And you're like, oh, okay. So he doesn't like him because of this thing that he did. And you, you end up with, like, red yarn corkboard stuff. <laughs> Um, it's a great game to have like a notebook next to you with just crazy scribbles all over it. Um, I'm just thinking that I'm just thinking of that meme where the guy's like, you know, he's like looking at the corkboard. Yeah, like, yeah, the, like, the always sunny one. Yeah, um, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, I think my favorite thing about it is like it's very reflective. So like, there's a mo there are moments where you'll be like, am I being encouraged to racially profile? Like, because it, it there are different nationalities on a ship and they all kind of like end up in their own groups and you kind of have to go like okay so the russian guys are hanging out over here i know these three guys are the russians this guy had a bag on so like this is this person um it's just very like you get in your own head for like hours trying to figure this out and it's so good Matt, i'm so you... glad you've described it to me because i've been curious about it just seeing the visuals but i didn't actually know what it was about and the that same. was a fantastic summary of mm. why i want to like Thank i, I want to play this now that was I felt like I rambled a bit, but thank you. No, it was fun. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the other thing. You made it sound so fucking thing. cool. <laughs> it is very cool. The other thing is that it has this really cool, like, monochromatic, kind of rasterized visual style. And you have, in the options menu, I think the default is um, kind of like Apple II graphics. and But you can set it to, like, Commodore 64. Oh, all these dope. old retro. That's cool. It's so good. That's dope. Zach, were it's, you going to ask a question? No, it, I was just going to have Manny talk about the visual style, oh, but okay, yeah, gotcha, he just sorry. hit that. And the wow, music okay. is also, if you played Paper Please, Papers, Please, the I music was, is also fantastic. Uh, PC, I was, PC for, for right now, right? That's the only right place now. you can I, I have no yeah. doubt this is going to come to consoles. Like, it's, it, it, it has to. Um, mm, at least I, I don't know. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of Switch port stuff. We'll see. Switch port. Let me take Overden everywhere. All right. I'll port back. That's fine. I got a real quick question for for Maddie. It's the way you describe the game, forcing you to make um, decisions that that may not mesh with you on a on a moral level, or at least it sounds almost like Papers Please, uh, in, uh, in a weird way. When, when you know, yeah. When, 
when you're talking about well, you know same, same guy right was it the same guy who yeah it's, papers, it's Lucas, oh Lucas, so yeah. that's why okay all right there's a dog behind me i'm gonna steal your dog maddie dog yeah. all right uh, hopefully she doesn't start barking she'll she might go to the door and be like let me out <laughs> maddie that was a fucking phenomenal breakdown of Oberdin, dude seriously that thank was you great uh and we're moving on to justin you're next uh all right cool so um i struggled with what my number two was gonna be uh quite a bit i'm really i really hate ranked lists of stuff um especially stuff that i liked because like i liked it um and you know initially i was gonna say spider-man but i knew other people were gonna touch on that so i loved spider-man so i'm just throwing that out there but i really wanted to talk about um the missing uh jj macfield in the island of memories which is um swery 65's um latest game uh from the team at his new team uh white owls and it was actually the first game I ever played uh, for review, um, which, you know, is something that oh, yeah, that's right. meant a lot to me uh, personally. Um, <laughs> however, um, what really got me with that game was the narrative. Um, so what that game is, for those who don't know, is these two girls um, uh, go to the island, uh, go, go to this um, island off the coast of Maine, um, they're having a romantic uh, camping trip. Um, and then Emily, uh, one of them, vanishes. And you play as JJ, um, trying to catch up and find her. Um, over the course of looking for her, um, she, uh, she gets injured um, and then gains the ability to regenerate um, from injuries that she, goes, she, um, she incurs over the course of the trip. So the whole, um, the main mechanics of the game are basically just tearing apart JJ and reforming over the course um, of the game. It can get, it's not for the faint of heart, even though it's, you know, very cartoony, the blood is white, um, but the voice actor for JJ really sells the whole pain aspect of it um, as the game goes on. But, um, and it's, I'm trying to explain it without um, spoilers, um, but just drop all the spoilers, man. Just, just spoil, <laughs> no, spoil I, I, re I really don't want to um, ruin it for anybody that that might play it. Because, I'm kidding. Um, I wouldn't. That game, game is all about the reveal of yeah, finding out yourself. Um, and gameplay wise, there are a lot of issues. I got really frustrated with it a few times. Um, I ran into some glitches and stuff, but the way the story is executed, it is one of the most powerful um, LGBTQ stories I think I have ever seen in games. Um, it's such a core part of what makes that game. Um, it starts with the message that this game was made with the belief that no one is wrong for being who they are. Um, and that message is spread all the way out um, through every element of the game. And... Um, Especially once you get to like the the ending and you know how things play out with that, you start to realize what a lot of the symbolism and metaphor of some of the creatures that you encounter, the environments you go through, what they represent. It's really really poignant stuff. Um, and I also thought it was incredible how it took a lot of elements that are unique to um, the queer experience, but made them wholly relatable um for anybody i um you know i'm a straight white cis man but 
there were points in this game where I had never felt so seen and represented in how it represented things like um, depression, anxiety, um, body image issues. Um, it goes really in depth and it's, it can be hard to get through um, at times, especially when you have JJ screaming and you have to have half of her body crawling across the screen before she, you know, reforms. Um, and then the whole ending sequence is phenomenal and deeply upsetting, but like I was full on sobbing at the end of this game. Um, and very few things in media have ever done that to me. Um, it's a really, really touching, really special, really important game. And I really hope people check it out. Justin, I'm really proud of you, buddy. What? So I just said, I'm really proud. I'm really, I'm, uh, I'm really proud of you, buddy. That was a fucking phenomenal breakdown, dude. We love you. Um, but Actually, yeah, I, I really hope people, um, I am. I, so Check I want you to know, out. Justin, I am going to play it this weekend. I literally just, just added it to my Steam just heart. because of your description right here. Can, can you guys give a quick rundown on what platforms people can pick that up on? Oh, yes. It's oh, on. Um, real it's quick. on. Hmm. Sorry. Sorry. Someone in chat could please clip what Justin said about the game. That would be amazing. Yeah, please, please. Uh, uh, Julian, Justin. if you could if you could maybe do that. Uh, and, so, and, um, yeah, go ahead, Justin, please. Yeah, so it's on. I played it on PS4, but it's on Xbox, Switch, and PC as well. Okay, perfect. So, so um, pretty much, if you're watching this, you'll be able to find it. I think it came out day and date on every platform. Can't play it on N-Engage? <laughs> I had a question for Justin I real think quick, that actually. might be the first N-Gage reference we've ever had on this show. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, Maddie? Yeah, Maddie's got um, a question. So, I have heard that it... The way you describe it sounds very morbid, and like I know that's the intent. I've heard it; it like really straddles the line well of like not stepping into like this is just gross for the sake of being gross. Like it oh, always yeah. kind of like feels like there's a purpose. That's actually something I talked about in my um, review as well. Um, thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, like it seems like the type of thing that could just be just going for gory, gross-out humor, but it's re not humor, um, just like trying to be edgy kind of thing. It's really all very integrated into the story and the message of the game. And it hits, um, it hits really hard. It's um, not overtly gory either, is it? Like, no. I mean, like, there are times where, like, you have to, like, there's one part where you have to run into these spikes, cut off her lower half, and then at, while crawling, pick up, like, a leg and throw it to hit a switch or something. So, I Whoa, mean... was this Never Dead? This sounds like Never Dead all of a sudden. <laughs> it, oh, my God. It's pretty gory, but, like, when she's like that, it's silhouetted. The blood is, like I said, it's, like, bright white. It's not... It's more, it's more the sound effects and voice acting that really yeah. make the violence uncomfortable. Um, which I Which I think was a pretty good... Um, good way to prevent it from seeming like exploitative um while still having the intended effect i'd say graphically it's it's a stylistic depiction of of the violence rather than glorifying it no it's the sound effects like justin said where it really just hammers it home all right uh, justin that justin that was a fucking phenomenal breakdown dude yes awesome okay job. thank you and awesome job um before we we um oh right on, call. uh Lulu has given me her uh, a little statement on her game of the year picks. Um, Good call. And hang on, so hang on. I, I have, I have a, I have oh, a, yes. 
I have a Lulu. Yay. <laughs> She's on the screen. So, Y'all can't see her, but. <laughs> so I'm just going to read that for her um, real quick. Um, she's done a phenomenal job as our video editor uh, the past couple weeks. I loved her teaser for this, mm -hmm. and I'm excited to share her picks with us, with uh, everyone. Let's, let's so, um, so she says, hi, I'm Lulu, and I can't be there because I'm treating myself in a hotel, probably sleeping right now, but she's hanging out in chat. She's in the chat. Um, but my favorite games of the year are the ones that I played with you, because now, more than ever, I appreciate the time we spend together playing. And it's not a surprise that Let's Go Eevee, a game I completed with my partner, and Monster Hunter World, a game I experienced 100% with friends, are my favorites and made for a wonderful year in gaming. Plus, Judgment Eyes and Speed Dating for Ghosts are pretty sweet. Um, and I can also vouch for Monster Hunter is very fun with Lulu. I played with her a couple times um, early in the year. So um, those were Lulu's picks. God damn, that fucking Lulu on the screen is too wholesome. My, my wholesome... <laughs> between is that, the... that, between Finn over there... This is the most wholesome Justin fucking... Justin saying nice th What the fuck, everybody? SDGC is supposed to be this wholesome? What the hell's going on? No, we're supposed to be a shit podcast. Somebody start dropping There's some... There's still an hour quick. of the show left. Well, hey, don't <laughs> worry, don't worry. <laughs> Zach is up next to bring us back down into the trash fire. Zach, give us your bad opinion. The wholesome is over. Uh, it's time to talk about my runner-up. Bobby. Um, <laughs> my runner Finn's up. got a dog. Finn's got a dog. <laughs> God damn it. Sorry, Zach. It's okay. Um, so my runner-up is, uh, Big, Loud, and Dumb, and that's Battlefield Five. Ah, I really, really, I really, wait, really like Battlefield Five. I like BF5 a lot, too. Um, so, like, I have this really weird thing where I always feel guilty about loving Battlefield games, but they're, like, some of my favorite multiplayer experiences. Um, but what I think I really like about this game is that it is the first multiplayer experience I've played in a long time. That is, that is always a PvP experience. Uh, but it understands that pacing is important. I often find that multiplayer games are about going head-to-head -head consistently as hard as you can, and there's really not these lulls to kind of wind down. And, and one thing I think Battlefield has really nailed is this idea of, through its attrition system, where, where uh, ammo is limited and health is not uh, regenerative, uh, that is not the right way to say that word. Uh, health does not regenerate. Uh, it, it just becomes this really, really tense experience where you there's kind of an ebb and flow to each fight. Uh, and it just really gives me a lot of time to, to breathe. And I, for the first time, I think I have to think a little bit while I play Battlefield. Um, it, it's just been something I, I really, really have sucked my teeth into over the last month. I have 80 hours across two different platforms, which is kind of disgusting. God damn, dude. I know. It's no, too many. <laughs> Zach, you loved a game! I, I know. It's That's so many. I, I know, but it, listen, like I, I, I still play this game, and like there will be like these tense moments at the end where they, where they really turn up the bassy music, which is like this really, really bassy overtone uh, as, as there's running out of uh, response and lives, and um, it, it just gets the adrenaline pumping, and it's like, it, it's such a guilty pleasure game, but it, it, it's no, why maybe is it guilty. Stop it. Listen, listen. No! Because it's really hard for yeah. me to be like, my favorite, one of my favorite games is you're shooting people in the head. Who cares? Uh, who, who cares? But, but goddamn, Battlefield Five uh, is, a, is a really good game. Uh, I, I'd also like to stand behind, uh, it's not the reason I love it, but Battlefield Five works really, really hard to make sure anybody, regardless of, of, of gender uh, and uh, physical ability, can have some representation in that game. Uh, and I think that's really, really cool. Uh, I'm glad to see the game is not is not tanking uh, like some people were kind of hoping. Um, it, it's doing well. It's maybe the most inclusive multiplayer game from that from that uh, developer. I, 
I don't know. I really like Battlefield Five, y'all. I'm really glad they stuck their guns with that stuff too, Zach. Yeah, like, me too. Seriously, me yeah. Too. They, they, that they was could've... the one where they put like a woman on the cover, and everyone was like, "What the fuck?" And we were like, "What the fuck?" And we were like, "What's?" What's your problem? We're putting this on the cover. We know yeah. exactly what the problem the is. is. still a garbage fire. It's yeah, bad. it's yeah. a bad yeah, community. It's, it's so yeah, bad. Don't we know there. exactly what the problem is, guys. Yeah, we know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Zach, dude, that was great. Thank you, man. That was fucking. That was fucking awesome. Uh, unless, unless you have a little more to add, Zach. You no, I, add. I'm actually, I am, I am ready to pass it on to our boy Jeff. Okay, Jeff, let's do it, buddy. Um, yeah, you know, I just wanted to preface my um my picks with saying that the last year has really changed how I play games. Um, I've had some, you know, personal challenges and opportunities. Uh, I spent a lot of this year in the hospital with my grandma. Um, I built a house and moved into that house, which was amazing. Uh, but I had very little free time and it really made me um, have to pick and choose what I played. And it also made me savor those more. And it made me play different kinds of games uh, where I got home from a chaotic day. And I was like, man, I really don't want to shoot people right now. Like, I just want a game that I can just disappear into and chill out for an hour before I go to sleep. Um, and, you know, I did still play Battlefield Five. Like, <laughs> but uh, those weren't my go-to games anymore. And so I ended up being really surprised with my picks at the end of the year. Um, my runner-up was going to be God of War, but I would rather talk about something that no one else talked about because, like Justin said, I'm not. I don't really like to rank stuff. Like. I, I, I go back and forth every day. I have a different favorite game. A different, like, I just can't pick favorites. I love everything so much. There's thousands of games that I've played in my life, and it's impossible to put one above the other sometimes. So uh, my runner-up um, is going to be uh, Telltale's Batman, The Enemy Within, Ooh. Uh, which is Ooh, probably a super <laughs> um, You know, I, I'm a big fan of Telltale's games. I understand the problems with their engine and stuff like that. Uh, but something that I really like in these kind of games uh, because there's not a lot of people, developers that are doing this kind of thing where every single moment is like a dialogue choice and something you pick and choose. And uh, one thing I think Telltale did really interesting with especially Batman season two, which I should uh, clarify is a big improvement over season one is I think they took the criticism that your choices don't matter, uh, which is true in the broad scope of the narrative. The same things happen from start to finish you're basically going to the same locations. This, you know, it's the same series of events. So with season two, they doubled down on the character interactions where, okay, your choices don't affect the overall story events, but they absolutely affect your relationships with every single individual character, how they talk to you, how they react to you, how they treat you. And each episode has like a cool breakdown at the end where it was like, this person was disappointed in you. This person was really impressed with how you handled this situation. And they kind of assign you like, you know, your relationship with this person is hostile. Your relationship with this person is trusting. Um, and it was really cool. You know, I'm not a big comics guy. I basically just watch the movies. Uh, but the spin that they continue to put on the Batman mythos and these existing characters, uh, there were some really bold directions taken uh, that I think were generally well-received because the writing was very strong and they were really believable. And the one awesome thing they did, which it just made it so sad uh, when the news about them closing down came out, was... For the first time ever, the the fifth, I think it was the fourth or fifth episode, the final episode in season two, they actually built two entirely different episodes, um, oh, depending wow. depending on your relationship with, uh, his name is John Doe, I don't think it's a spoiler to say he's basically their version of the Joker, um, but there's two different versions of the final episode, one, is, depending on how you treated him, 
one in which he basically is Batman's ally and is this entirely new take on the Joker that you've never seen before. Um, and then the other one, if you were like basically betrayed him and uh, aggressive towards him and treated him like shit, he becomes the classic Joker. It's still, you know, their own take on it, but it's, you've kind of got this weird uh, anti-hero thing going on in one and then the classic villain in the other one. Uh, and this is like a meaty, like no matter which path you play through, they're both like two and a half hours or two hours long, which is, uh, you know, when you take into account both and that's a, it was just unprecedented for what Telltale does. And I thought it was really cool. Um, and I'm sad that these kind of games are going away and I hope someone else steps in to fill the void. You know, there's, there's maybe, they maybe don't have as much pure gameplay uh, as people would categorize it, but I think this is still gameplay. You're just uh, picking dialogue choices instead of jumping someone over gaps or something like that. Uh, and it's something that I really appreciate. I thought the storytelling was really cool, and I loved it. Jeff, that was a that was I was not expecting that. So that was I, that was a no one was yeah. like that was great. <laughs> Thank you. That was a great rundown, man. Seriously. Delightful surprise. Seriously, and I want to give a I also want to give a quick shout out to the chat. Chat is fucking jumping tonight. And I love seeing that. So. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, everybody. It's a for high being energy crowd. I but like yeah, it. Yeah, no, seriously, no. Yeah, no. It's a, it's a, it's a big mood in the chat, man. I'm, I'm really fucking digging this. Um, big so, mood. Speaking of big mood, Derek, talk to us about your runner up. This yeah. Is it. yeah. And a, after this, this is the last one, and then after this, we got our game of the year. Our uh, number yes. one. So. Yep. So I actually had some difficulty deciding. Uh, I, picking my number one and number two was really easy. Deciding which order they go in was not. Um, ultimately. My runner-up for Game of the Year um, is uh, also top 10 betrayals in anime history. It's Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Did not make my number one. Uh, it is my number two. Um, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Um, I mean, a lot of you know I'm, I'm very involved with the Smash community. I'm a tournament organizer. Um, I love Super Smash Bros. I did our review uh, for SDGC, um, and I, I try to be as fair as possible because it's not a perfect game. Um Ultimately, Smash Brothers is is still probably one of the best fighting game franchises around at trying to please both like hardcore competitive type players and people who just want like a good fun party game to play with friends and with family. Um, and and I thought it's a fantastic game. It is more packed with content than it has any right to do. Every time a Smash Brothers game comes out, um, I, I fail to understand how they make it as big as it is, especially when you look at other fighting games that are struggling to have as much content as they do, um, you know, much less also have like a short story mode and, you know, basic online functionality. Um, and Super Smash Brothers, I mean, it runs almost perfectly. There's almost no performance issues. There's like two stages that I've had some, I've seen some performance hitches on. Um, but otherwise, I mean, it's a beaut to play. I've already taken my Switch into like work and around to other places and just given a Joy-Con to somebody and taught them how to play very quickly, which is testament to how approachable it is to people who don't play a ton of games even. Um, and it's always good to see games that can be both sides of that, right? That can be approachable for friends and family that maybe don't play a ton of games, but then also I can see a 125 person tournament uh, full of amazing competitors pulling off this in crazy technical play, um, you know, and it's really, it's a beautiful spectator sport to that point. Sit down and watch some Smash Ultimate streams on Twitch, y'all. It's, it's really a thing of beauty. Um, so yeah, I, I loved it. Um, one thing I will say that does hold it back a little bit is I recognize that I'm a huge Nintendo fan and many of us are huge Nintendo fans, but I think a lot of that impact is probably lost 
if you didn't grow up with some love for at least a couple of the Nintendo franchises. I would agree. I would agree um, 100%. It's, I mean, it's a big... The fact that they've got so much non-strictly Nintendo, all right? You got, like, Mega Man. You got Metal Gear Solid. You've got... Um, you know, Mega Sonic. Man got his, Mega Man got his start with Nintendo. Sure, Fucking sure, but cloud. it's not quite the same. Right, you got Final Fantasy, you've got <laughs> what the Sonic. What is he you got, doing in You've got some weird, you know, Final Fantasy's been around on Nintendo for a while, maybe not seven, but, but so there's a lot in there, and it's a big piece of gaming history, but I admit that a lot of your personal nostalgia and enjoyment is going to come from your attachment to the pieces that make up Super Smash Brothers. Even if it was all original stuff, it'd be an amazing game. But... You want to get in and get involved because of like, oh man, there's Donkey Kong, you know, or oh, I love Zelda or in Pokemon, you know, like let's go. So, um, so Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, I love it to death. It was so close, but it ends up being my my runner up for game of the year, and I genuinely fear for what Nintendo will have to do to make another Smash Brothers game after this. They, oh, Jesus Christ, I don't. Yeah, I, Sakurai's gonna hurt himself, guys. <laughs> I don't think we're going to get another one, at least not for another decade, to be honest with you. I don't him. think we'll but... get another one from him. Yeah, yeah. I think he's done. He's done. It's... He might consult on a future one, maybe, but no. Yeah. And Derek, can I just say for that wonderful description of Smash, you're my main. Aww. You're my main. That's okay. You, you don't main me. You Smart. made Solid Snake. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, Everyone's here. Re Rebecca, have you heard his Solid Snake? We'll we'll no, do this another time. To, we'll do this no, another time. No, Just, no, 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 right now. Real quick, right now, Colonel, Colonel, I found Mr. Megadev. It's so fucking Oh god, I can't get enough of that shit. Oh my god. It's, it's so good. All right. Well, just, we have you guys are my favorites. Basically, everyone, when everyone says their number one game, I need Derek to pull a classic Solid Snake and then repeat their what they just said, but as a question. Uh, <laughs> Return of the Obra Dinn. <laughs> All right, now, however, I know that you're about to announce that we're going to start doing our number one games. We are. We until well, I will when you stop interrupting me, Finn. We seem to be forgetting someone's number two choice. No, no, no. <laughs> yes! Saki, what was your number yes, two queen. choice? I agree with John. It's God of War. I'll allow it. <laughs> now you allow it. I know Saki's number one game of the year, and you're not gonna you're not gonna see it coming. Okay, all right. Hashtag so, Saki bless. All right, so we got to move on. We got to move on, guys. I'm really excited to talk about the, our game of the year stuff. So our um, what the hell was oh Vicky's in the next room. Like I thought somebody had invaded my house for a minute. I was like, what? Do I gotta get up and throw some hands here? I would, <laughs> if I were picking like, houses to invade, I would not pick yours. According to your Twitter yeah, earlier yeah. today, some some meaty calloused hands. Some meaty ass <laughs> calloused hands. Your description of your hands is like so vivid. It is, I, 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 I'm proud of my mitts. What can I say? All right, it is time to discuss our. So we are now done with our runners-up, and it is time to discuss our game of the years. And the rules are going to be very simple. Um, it's going to be the the exact same thing as we just did. We are going to use the same order. We're going to go through everybody, and we're going to give a rundown of our game of the year, what we loved about it, why we loved it, um, and we're going to move on. Uh, and it's going to be great. We're all going to have a great time, and we will take it all the way back to. Pull the list here. Reb. Reb. Yep, it's Rebecca. Rebecca, why don't you uh, kick us off? 
Well, the reason I'm happily bobbing my head is because when I found out that we were going to be going back to Game of the Years, I went ahead and switched on the music from Minute by Gikyo Kaleo. Um, <laughs> I told you I played a bunch of indie games this year. Minute just did it for me. I don't know what it is. Well, I do know what it is. Um, Minute is this adorable, super simple game. It's made by four people. Um, I'm going to pronounce all their names wrong. I'm, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm not even going to try. I feel, no, I'm going to do it. Look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to um, but yeah. they are really, really super. Um, it's uh, Kitty Callis, Jiko uh, Callio, Dominic Johan, and uh, oh shit, I'm gonna pronounce the name of Jen Willem Nijman. Um, they don't have like a studio name, so I can't do That's it. That's fine. Um, but it's published by Devolver Digital. It's a top-down, um, top-down uh, action adventure game, kind of in style similar to Legend of Zelda, in that you're playing this little character and you go around and hit things with a sword. Um, but the quirk is that at the very beginning of the game, you walk down to the beach and you pick up this cursed sword off the beach, and the sword's curse is that um, you die every 60 seconds. Um, and so the game progresses like that. You go out, you have 60 seconds to do whatever you're going to do, and then you die and you respawn back in your house. Um, you can also die at the push of a button anytime that you want, and that's basically all your controls are. You can, you have your death button, your move button, and your whatever you're holding, your sword or whatever else. That's a cool concept. It's really cool, and the way this works is that, so you can only get so far in 60 seconds, right? Like, eventually you're just going to not have anything else to explore. Um, but in Minute, you certain things carry over. So at the very beginning of the game, you take your sword, and there's this guy in the house who says, hey, there's a bunch of crabs out here. Can you get rid of them? So you go out, you kill five crabs, and you go back to him, and he gives you a cup of coffee. You drink the coffee, and now you can push boxes around. So you die, and on your next 60 seconds, you don't have to do that again. You can now just push boxes. So you can go up north, and there's an area with some boxes. You push them around. You get another item from behind them, and now you have this. So on your next run, you have this whole other thing. Um, that combined with the fact that there are certain rest areas where if you stop in them, it'll reset to be your home. So the next time you die, you'll reappear in that spot. Um, and that kind of expands the map out a little more. But it's just, it's so tightly designed. It's in really lo-fi graphics. Um, the music is chill, but kind of, like, it, it's nicely paced. I really encourage you to listen to the Minute soundtrack. It's just, it's really, it's really hopping. Um, but it just, it, it balances perfectly um, this need, just the gameplay at the center of it. It doesn't need anything else. There's no excess. There's nothing in there that doesn't need to be there. It's, and, and your, your brain is constantly moving while you're playing it. You feel, you feel a little bit rushed, but not like, not like frantic the whole time. So you'll be going towards an objective and the whole time you're moving towards it, you're thinking, okay, I'm moving towards this thing and you're noticing things along the way that you're going to need to revisit once you have a certain item or a certain thing. So when you die and you have this new item in your inventory, you automatically are thinking, okay, I saw this one thing, I can go interact with that, I'm gonna go do that. Um, it's just, it's so smooth, it's only a few hours long and it just, it really, it was just fun from beginning to end. There were some extra things at the end you could get, but it wasn't overwhelming. Um, it was just like this perfect condensed gameplay. Like everything revolved around this single mechanic and everything had just been tested and perfected around that one mechanic. And it was just, it was smooth and it was fun and it was kind of silly. Like it's funny because the, all, there's like NPCs and they have dialogue, but they have to fit it into the 60 seconds or the, the two, like you're walking by and they're like shouting things at you and you're like, okay, I got it. And you're moving on. Like, it's just, it's just so good. I mean, I, I don't want to describe it as perfect because that seems wrong, but in terms of like trying to execute on a single concept, like it really just perfectly executed on that one concept. It's just, it's really fun, man. You got to go back and play a minute. I got to tell you, between Justin selling me on the missing and Reb selling me on minute, like this is I'm I'm learning about all kinds of new shit here. This is great. Oh, it's awesome. 
I so so I was making my game of the year list earlier today, and minute minute was not not as high, but minute was there. And I looked at it and I was like, wait, did this come out last year? That came out in yeah. April. This it year did. is a fucking disaster. <laughs> <laughs> this year has been like ten years long, guys. But y'all, many many I, I had no white hair at the beginning. <laughs> That's a lie. Many many reasons. Reb, that was a great breakdown of minute. Thank yeah. you very much. So Reb's game of the year is minute. Uh, and we will move on to Finn. You are up next. Okay. Well, uh, I uh, well, indeed. I'm ready for this. Let's go. My number one is the little game that could uh, Astrobot Rescue Mission. Um, the game that not only sold me on. If I wasn't already a fan of VR, this would have been the one that did it. Uh, it it completely justified the PlayStation VR purchase. Um, it's, it's one of those games. I, I remember right before it came out, someone floated around online that this game was going to be VR Super Mario 64 moment. I think and it was I someone from Eurogamer. My eyes, like that is the most hyperbolic marketing thing I've ever seen. And then you play it and you're like, I actually had that moment back in 96 where I was playing a 3d game for the first time. It was that sensory overwhelming i guess is the word for it like I'll, I'll put it to you this way astrobot is so good i suffer from severe motion sickness i have been buying dramamine to play this game because i want to not i i never not want to be able to play it so i just have dramamine now sit like oh it's time to play vr time for some astrobot pop let's go there is a moment in this game it's early on i want to say this in the first world where you get the grappling hook for the first time and before you were just controlling your little astro bot and things were charming and adorable and you're finding your friends and you're finding little secrets but then you get the grappling hook and you get to start interacting with the world and like hooking things and creating the uh, trip trip wires for your little robot to walk across and ripping down walls with it and the first boss fight uses it in superb fashion. And I just remember thinking to myself, like, wow, like, I had to stop. I, I turned to Saki and I was like, this, holy shit, like, are you seeing this? And of course, you're not seeing it in the same way, but it didn't matter because I was having this giddy moment. There is a water world. And when you breathe, bubbles come out. It's insane. Like, th there's an attention to detail really that I think cool. usually gets thrown to companies like Naughty Dog and Rockstar, but Astrobot has, for being very cartoony, has so many little attentions to detail. And I think Matt mentioned Piscatella in our NPD pre-show that uh, it reminded him of like playing a Disney, being in a Disney world. And I'm going to have to echo that sentiment because you're just, it's so colorful and vibrant and the, the music is so cheerful you just get sucked into it and you cannot play this game with a frown. You can't. It's physically impossible. You can try it. And if you say you did, I'll call you a liar because you're lying. <laughs> it, it, pure joy distilled into a game that unfortunately has a high barrier to play. And I wish I could say I, I could just throw $200 at people to play it. Uh, <laughs> however, I, I will just say this. There are uh, two types of people in this world. There are people that agree with me. That Astrobot is number one, 
And then there are people that uh, have yet to experience this joyful transitory experience. Uh, no, I'm kidding. That's that, that's that's derivative to other people's joys. Point is, Astrobot's real good, and if you have the means to try it, you owe it to yourself to play it. It is. I don't know how I can go back to a standard like three D platforming game now. Like, pretty sure if I tried to play Spyro Reignite or something, I'd just go. But it's so flat. I, I don't know. You can like. Oh, I, 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 there, I did I a puzzle. Stop. I did a puzzle the other day where like there was a ramp, but it was below my my eye line, and yes, I had to like to lean down to see what was in it. Yes. And or, like, like uh, you have to try and find. He's like, "Is there someone behind behind the wall?" And you lean forward, and you're like, "There is a guy behind the wall." Yeah. One of the craziest uh, situations I had was like I started a level, and I heard one of the the robots that you have to rescue, like, "Hey," waving and stuff, and I was like, "Where is he?" He was behind me up in a tree. So I picked up a ball, shot the ball at him, and then they they fly into your your dual shock, which is like a physical thing in the world. Um, but like it goes right into it. But like he started flying over me, and I was like, oh no, he's gonna land hard. So I like reached out and I caught him in my controller, and it was like it was just so weird. But it like uses, it uses the dual shock's touchpad in in ways that make you feel like wow this is why the dual shock has a touchpad like this is why this is a thing that exists it felt necessary to the game it felt natural and perfectly integrated instead of it just being like a cool little oh i can pull up the map by pressing the touchpad that's cool no it, it was literally a part of the game i want to say something about this game but i think zach's been itching to say well, I, I, I just want to say, uh, and I wanted to say it earlier, but I wanted to make sure you got your blurb out, Finn. You saying that you're taking Dramamine medicine just so you can play this game is the cyberpunk future I want to be living in. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not even like Finn's like motion sickness is like minor. I've been in the car with him for like a 15-minute ride. I thought he was going to die. Yeah, it's a thing. I want to yeah. play this game so bad. Maddie, I, that, that was in PAX. Maddie, Maddie and I yeah. were like, yeah, yeah. Well, it, it, Finn's like, if Finn's over in the corner, like, oh. He got in the car, like, like hands on his knees. And I was like, he yeah. Up here, oh, so. <laughs> so, all right. So one thing I wanted to point out, um, and maybe this is just me not being in the right circles or not reading the right or hearing the right conversations. Uh, when God of War came out, I heard nothing but praise for Sony Santa Monica. When Spider-Man came out, all I've heard about is Insomniac Games. Um, I hear about Astrobot, but I don't hear about the people that made Astrobot, if that makes sense. Like, who who is I the developer for this game? I think it's just one of the teams within Sony Japan. It's a VR-specific Japan yeah. game, I believe. Okay, so I just want to give a shout-out to, like, whoever made it, because clearly oh. everyone's loving this game, but... Um, I just want to make sure the recognition gets back to the team that did it and that, hey, like, we should pay attention to these guys and see what they're going to do next. Uh, you know, obviously, Sony Japan, if that's who it was, they're no stranger to, to uh, fantastic games. But um, I, I just think maybe uh, that's been overlooked a little bit with all the, the success in Game of the Year talk for the game that's is that we haven't that's a great looked point. at the people behind that's it. That's a fantastic point. Yeah. Um, and I, 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 I want to, I want to keep the podcast going. Um, yes. So and, uh, please, Finn, um, Finn, that was a fantastic, fantastic breakdown, man. Thank you for that. <clears throat> um, so it looks like I'm next. Uh, and so I, this was actually more difficult than I thought it was because I thought I had my game of the year nailed down until I played Tetris effect. Uh, and Tetris effect is just a absolutely phenomenal game, but I've got to give the nod to Octopath Traveler. 
which mm, is yeah. my which is my game of the year. Um, and as everybody knows, I am a huge fan of Final Fantasy VI, not just because I think it's the greatest game of all time, but also because um, also because of what it means to me on a personal level. I mean, this game like literally, quite literally saved my life when I was a teenager. Uh, I didn't have the easiest. Uh, I didn't have an easy time of it growing up. Uh, my father wasn't the best. Um, and the story of Celeste, who is my favorite character in the game, um, when she threw herself off the cliff to commit suicide and then lived and ventured out into a world that had been more, more or less destroyed by Kefka, um, really resonated with me and it just kind of encapsulated and kind of put a, a cherry on top of everything I love about this game. Uh, and so that 2D, uh, JRPG is, is that, that th those are my favorite games of all time. And so to get that style of game again in a beautiful HD package is was almost more than my heart could take. And I, I, I love everything about Octopath Traveler. I love the the memories of being a 15-year-old uh, up at 3 in the morning, uh, sitting uh, Indian style on my floor uh, in my room, uh, playing Final Fantasy VI. Like, all those memories came back. Um, it's got one of the best battle systems, probably the best battle system uh, in any JRPG I have ever played. Um, the um, it, it's almost like a it's almost like a guessing game, like a game of chess. Uh, I just I love everything about it. I love the panoramic style of the visuals. Uh, I think Square Enix described it as two D HD. Um, and uh, oh God, this fucking I could I, mean, I, I could go on. The the soundtrack is just one of the best in the business. Uh, the way that the music uh, each character has their own individual theme. And the way that transitions into the boss battle themes is just absolutely fucking masterful. Um, and there, people have some umbrage with the way that the story is provided because they are like you know the name Octopath Traveler is very literal. Like there are eight uh, eight separate stories being told here with very little overlap. There are, there is some connective tissue between them, and the characters do interact uh, in vignettes and ends. Like you know they're very clearly on a journey together, but that's not reflected. <clears throat> excuse me, in the overall story arcs for each character. Basically, the way it, it goes is that that character is going uh, by himself. And, you know, you can see the party with them, but the, that character is involved in their own individual story. And aside from battles and wandering the field, the rest of the characters don't show up in that character story. But they talk in the ends, in these little vignettes, like they were there experiencing it. It's, it's jarring for some people, and I totally understand that. But at the same time... It's reminiscent of the style of games like uh, 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 you know, what uh, Soccer Frontier and uh, Live Alive, which uh, also tell separate stories. And there is there is that connective tissue. Then once you finish all eight stories, there is something that ties them all together. Um, so I, I get that some people may have been disappointed by the way the story was delivered, but for me, I dropped 110 hours into this game, and it's one of those games that is going to be on my on my basically my my replay list for lack of, for lack of a better term for years to come. I love everything about this game. Um, and it, it is something I have wanted desperately ever since games like Final Fantasy VI stopped being made. And and now that and now that it, and it, you know the fact that it sold well and the fact that Square Enix has said there's more coming just warms my heart and just really makes me excited more than I could possibly explain to you guys. So that is why Octopath Traveler is my game of the year. That's awesome, John. And what I one thing I and I know we I we've all given you like fake crap for it, but what I love about it is, as good as it is, there is for the inevitable Octopath Traveler two. I have to hope we'll get another one. They well, oh yeah no they're they're making so much one, more yeah. to make it even greater, and it's not like there's nowhere to go from here. 
So it's really cool to know that we have something to look forward to. And just Absolutely. real quick, Red Niptonic in chat makes a really good point. I should have said the first letter of each of the characters' names spell out Octopath. And the first yeah. letters of all the villains spell out spell Traveler. Spell out Traveler, yep. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah that's really my cool. favorite piece of dumb trivia for that game. It's, it's so <laughs> good. It's really cool. But it's I so love dumb it. and I love it. Also, yeah. can we point out, I love that John has <laughs> flipped on this because when it first was announced, you could not get over how dumb the name was. Now you're I, like, I still don't like the name. I'm not going to lie to you. I still think it's a <laughs> terrible fucking name. Like, well, they got rid of it follows very much from the other stuff they did with Bradley Default. Yeah. Like, if you've played Bradley Default and know the weird shit they've done with the subtitles in those yeah. games oh, to, yeah. like, make it all I'm meta. actually replaying. I mean, it's, it's I'm actually replaying Bravely Second as we speak. Uh, so Good. that's a great fucking game. You, Anyways, and you and I'll talk later. Yes, we will. Yes, we will. <laughs> uh, all right, Maddie, go ahead, man. My mic was muted. There you go. Okay. Um... <laughs> Okay, so yeah, we talked in chat. This is game of the year. Not a lot of games that came out this year resonated with me a whole lot. Um, like God of War, loved it, didn't stick with me. But a game did stick with me. Anybody who's been following me on Twitter knows Persona 5, even though it came out last year, is my game of the year. Um, God, I don't even know where to start with this game. Like just style-wise, it's so good. Like it's it's like punk and jazz and like all this Graffiti weird like and... street art yeah um and that like instantly grabbed me before i even was in it um i actually started it in 2017 i got about two hours in and i was like all right this is not for me but i went back to it and now i'm 55 hours in which anybody who knows me knows i get about 30 hours into a really long game and i'm like i'm good I'm good. <laughs> but I'm like really looking forward to the next 45 hours. Jeff's down to the corner nodding sagely. He's like, yeah, yes. yeah. yeah. <laughs> 20, 20 hours for me and I'm out. Yeah, my average lately has been about 30 and I'm like, ugh. Um, so yeah, the style, the music is just incredible. Um, I can't wait for those music tracks to hit smash. Um, the world, something about the world, I, I know they'd done it in past Persona games, but like it didn't really strike me in 4. It it, but it hit me a lot in five is like you feel like a part of this world like you start to understand like all the nooks and crannies this is something overdended too like it uses a very small space to like it maximizes its use of it instead of being like oh now you can go way to the far reaches like it's like no you got one street in shibuya learn it um and you get to know the characters really well um not all the characters are great. I'm not going to say it's perfect. Uh, it's got some issues that maybe somebody will want to talk about later, somebody who's played it. Um, John, I know John's played it. He probably knows some of the issues with I've mostly Ryuji and Odd. It, yeah. uh, it's, there's some issues. Yeah. Um, uh, what else? It, the other thing that hit me was, I think it resonated a lot this year because it feels like the fantasy version of 2018, where like, they're, it's politically very on point like yeah and i'm not gonna say that like oh they they like oh we're guessing politics or whatever i just think it's like if 2018 was a fantasy and you could go in and change people's hearts and like make people understand why they were acting like why the things they were doing were you know bigoted or were making people uncomfortable or something like it that's like the fantasy is that you can just look at look at trump or look at somebody and go like hey you're doing stuff that's making people uncomfortable and they'd go oh okay um but that's not how it is but in persona 5 that's how it is and i love it <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, dude, yeah. that, that's a fucking that's a great breakdown, man. Seriously, thank you. For, is, 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 do you got anything else you want to drop, Maddie? Or um, I think the other thing is the dungeons are great. Uh, they because they're not yes. randomized like in four. Um, Being crafted a, a lot. I would actually yeah. say that I, I would say that those are those are like series best dungeons to be. I've played out all the Persona games. Those are series best in my opinion. Yeah, without spoiling it, I'm in the fifth one right now, which um, the the boss is. is he's basically Jeff Bezos if he worked. In yes, the I know exactly where you're at. I know um, exactly where you're at. And I walked in there, I was like, oh my god, it just because the fourth dungeon was amazing. It was kind of Egypt themed, uh, and then the fifth dungeon, I walked in, I was like, this is so good. Oh my god, <laughs> it just keeps getting better. Apparently, I just want to point out. Uh, deal, apparently, everybody in the chat was nodding at the same time. Uh, Julian, if you could gift that, please, we would uh, we would really appreciate that. Thank you for that. Uh, all right, Maddie, dude, thank you, man. That was awesome. Uh, let's move on to Justin. Justin, what is your game of the year? All right, so it's been mentioned a few times, but uh, God of War is my game of the year this year um, for probably reasons that are a little bit different than other people's. Um, so I've always kind of done a thing with where I take series I like, and I'm like, hey, what would I do to improve them? And probably the one I've spent the most time thinking about, um, especially as I've gotten older, um, is God of War. Um, it's a series I've been a fan of for a long time, and but I've also known things need to change if it's going to continue um, from both a gameplay and thematic standpoint. And this take on God of War did nearly everything that I had thought of and considerably more. Um, it was a game that felt like it had been designed based off of, like, my notebook of what I wanted, you know, from a game, like, structurally, thematically, and gameplay-wise. Um, it's a really big game, but it's not, like, typical open world. It feels kind of like an evolution of the Ocarina of Time. That's a really good comparison, uh, actually uh thing where there's this big you know space in the middle uh kind of like hyrule, hyrule field um set here it's the lake um with you know pretty large detailed um worlds off to the side um and that really structurally um i was really really impressed by it um so that was very exciting but i was really taken aback at just how um strong story-wise and character character wise it was um and i think in a way it kind of reflects it actually i think made some of the decisions in the previous games that seemed questionable um at the time work better because i think that it fits in with how you know kratos views the gods and how they have this corrupting power on the world and people um and it makes the themes of you know trying to be better um trying to make you know progress for future generations um in the new god of war um hit a lot harder and combine that with a combat system i was really skeptical of um beforehand yeah the over the shoulder stuff kind of threw me for a loop to it first that felt really really good um like hits are really meaty um it was I, I loved the creature design. Were they as um, meaty as my meaty calloused hands, Justin? Like like like, uh, like how meaty are we talking about? Oh, please, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, um but uh no God, God of War just impressed me in almost every single um category. And I think 
the best way to kind of describe the change in the series um, is that, you know, the original trilogy was like focused on the God half of Kratos. And this is focused on the human half. Um, And I, I, I loved how it expanded the world and the universe. It made it bigger than just, you know, Kratos and the Greek pantheon, even more so than just, um, than just the typical, you know, moving um, pantheons would have done. Honestly, Justin, I, some of the, some of the best moments of the game were just like you and you and Atreus in the boat, and Kratos is telling you stories. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And it, that was the, those were some really resonant, entertaining moments that I never would have expected out of God of War. Um, and Atreus, also, I, I forgot I haven't even talked about Atreus. I, it was he was such a great um, choice to have with Kratos because it led to some really interesting tension and you know, he's sometimes the extension of what you as the player are thinking of Kratos. Um, And also because he is assigned to, you know, a button on the screen, he feels, he feels very active in the experience more so than other games that have um, an AI character that's with you for a lot of the time, which I thought was excellent. I just, I just like, I, every time we talk about God of War, I think of those stories. Like, I, I just always go back to the stories that Kratos tells Atreus. Atreus is like, you know, tell me a story, father. And he's like, no. And he's like, no, please tell me a story. Fine. There was a battle once and everybody died. The end. And a- a- Atreus is like, that's not a story. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, I just, yeah. Those, for whatever reason, those stuck with me the most. I don't know why. Um, but, uh, you know, Justin, that was a great fucking breakdown of uh, God of War, dude. Thank you for that. Um, and I, can I just point out that, like, I love I there. There are a few things in this podcast I love more than Zach's "I'm in hell" face, which, like, <laughs> like it, it usually happens like a couple times. Like, like when I made my big meaty hands joke, mm. like, yeah. Zach just had the look on his face. He's like, "This is hell." Where did his glasses go? Is. Did he like rub his face there and remove his glasses? Here. They're right here. I, I'm Was this like a stress reaction? No, Zach He's a takes sleepy boy. Whenever it's time for business, whenever Zach wants to get down to business, and defeat you know the that Hans. scene. It's like that scene in um in Over the Top. Uh, you know, you know, you know, you know, when the guys like, I, you're you know, quite I, old. I don't know what that what's is. What's over the top? <laughs> you guys don't know fucking over the top. Oh, is this an old person thing? You serious? Is the arm wrestling movie with fucking uh, Sylvester no. Stallone? Are you serious? Oh shit! I've seen it. Never mind. Thank you. I know what God, it is. Damn it! <laughs> fucking no. over the top. Look, he took it. He took his glasses off because if he face it's, it's, no, it's game time. It's wrong. game time. When, mm-hmm. when Zach mm-hmm. takes his glasses off, shit's about to get fucked up. And speaking of that, Zach. Why don't you go ahead and fuck us up with your game of the year choice? Yeah, so so I was in my head all week about this choice because it's so recent that I worried that that's why I was weighing it so heavily. Uh, but uh, two weeks ago now, Ashen finally, finally, finally came out. Uh, made by a small development team in New Zealand called A44, formerly Aurora 44, and published by Annapurna. Um, on the surface, I think a lot of people understandably dismissed it as this is a Dark Souls clone. Uh, with an art house feel, um, and it, and I kind of thought that's what it was, and that's originally what attracted me to it, but uh, it ended up being a lot, lot more. Um, there's a lot that I like about it, but I think the one thing that really stuck out to me repeatedly throughout the the gameplay, uh, which is about like a 15 hour game, um, is that it has seamless multiplayer, like one might find in Journey, where while you're playing, you have an AI companion. Everything is designed for you to have somebody with you. Uh, and you have an AI companion, and then if somebody else is playing the game, uh, they will seamlessly appear on your screen as the same AI character from your village that you took with you, uh, and vice versa. So you could never really tell if someone's real or not, and you're doing these dungeons with them. And, like, there's this really fun thing that 
consistently happens where you watch someone's character move and you have to think to yourself like is this a real person or is this AI and you can kind of tell by like these little micro turns um who they are and, and what their kind of goals are but I really like this idea where these players are in your world um and they can't help you but they don't have to they can have their own agenda they can be going after loot while you're trying to progress the story um but another thing I like about it is uh, we often see games that really, really like and are inspired by Dark Souls and From Software, but uh, they they kind of clone it. But I feel like Ashen works really, really hard to study and learn from Dark Souls. Uh, and so one thing I've found frustrating about those games over the past is how often the game asks you to hit your head against something repeatedly until you have a breakthrough. Uh, where Ashen kind of subverts that is by providing you like tons of side quests that are really meaningful. And these side quests actually end up uh, usually making friendships for your character with AI. And then those AI are like, hey, thank you for helping me. I'm going back to your village. And then you have this village where over time, as you help more and more people, the town evolves. And then as the town evolves, the, the visual aesthetic changes and improves, but you also unlock more upgrades, and that's how your character gets stronger. And so instead of hitting your head against these really hard main core areas, you do these side missions, and they kind of uh, naturally get you to a place where you're really ready to take on the next big thing. Um, the other thing, I'm kind of rambling. I'm really passionate about this. No, sorry. no, please. No, That's this is the best, this is way, to do this is the best way to do it. This is the good stuff. But like, okay. So the other thing that I really, really like is that Dark Souls often feels really, really stiff to move in, which is weird. Like, it, I love Dark Souls, but like, it feels like I'm really fighting uh, just to kind of go where I want to go. And, and I don't know a uh, uh, really tight, tight motion. But one thing is that locomotion and verticality is like at like it's, it's, um, really toned in here and a lot of the design is like no no no, we're gonna hide shit up high and there's a dedicated jump button and there's really really good climbing that is uh basically detects uh really small ledges and your character will grab it it really makes for scaling uh there's just so much in the world design where you feel incredibly small as you play uh but as you kind of progress through the game uh, you find more really, really small people in this really, really big world, and then you kind of create this this little community together, and it's like this really wholesome game, and I, often games like this are about the world is dark, and it's getting darker, and you're going to go through it. Uh, and Ashen is the opposite, where the world is dark in the beginning, but as you play, you progressively feel yourself making a difference on the world and the people around you, and that comes out through organic conversations you're having with people in the village, but also the overarching story. Uh, it, there's just a lot of really cool dynamic things going on uh, in Ashen. It, listen, I, I didn't expect this game to hit me like it did, but Ashen's my game of the year. Love it. So, so Zach, that was beautiful. No, that was great, dude. That was fucking phenomenal. Reb, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to talk over you. That was all I was saying. Keep going. Um, Zach, uh, uh, a really cool comment I wanted to see what you thought of from uh, Imran Khan from Game Informer, uh, who's in chat. Uh, Imran, we're glad you're here. Um, he said something really cool. He said, Ashen makes Firelink Shrine into its main character, which works out better than you'd think. I wanted to see what you thought about that. Yeah, I mean... I mean, yeah, mm, I don't know. It. I don't know. Kind of, I guess? I, I don't know. Can, can you unpack what you think he means by that? I'm sorry. I, I, I don't have the chat up right now. I had no Talking about your discussion about the town, because, you know, Firelink yeah. Shrine oh, being kind yeah. of a default I mean, yeah. so, so, area. So I, I, yes, I know what he's yes, getting yes. I understand. Okay, so so yeah, I mean the town is 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 constantly evolving, but um what's so cool about it I don't know. I guess it's just like this sense of place that sometimes I feel like Dark Souls uh can lack. Um like there was um can you remember what the hub world in Dark Souls 2 was called? Um Majula. 
Yeah, so like Majula had that thing where like there's like two or three people hanging out, uh, but they're usually the same spot. Uh, yeah. Whereas like in this, like no, people are gonna move around, and like if you go and retrieve someone's tools in a side quest, like not only will they be able to help you, but they can now like build a hut, and they'll build a windmill, and those will provide uh, extra bonuses for you. Like there's just this really really cool evolving play space that I, like I was shocked that this was a thing, and it was just like this. Like an hour and a half in the game, it's like, oh yeah, you have a village now, uh, and you're responsible for helping people come back home, and like, they have dynamic things that they'll say to you, like every, even the side characters who aren't named will have things that they'll say to you based on your interactions in the world. It, it's, it's something special. Ashen, Ashen, uh, I don't know what rules, two quick things, it's uh, on the Epic Play Store exclusively right now, uh, and it's, oh, it's, it's on Xbox One as well, and it's on Game Pass on Xbox One, so... There's a couple ways to play it right now. Uh, and they said it's coming to other platforms, so hold on tight if you're not on those places yet. Zach, that was a beautiful breakdown of Ashen, man. I really appreciate that. I hope it wasn't too, too verbose. No, 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 dude. Nope. That's what we're looking for here, man. No, I, I'm not going to tell you, like... Perfectly verbose. I, I was not expecting perfect. that to be to end up being your game of the year. Like, that went through me for a loop. So that was... I, I love surprises, so that was fantastic, man. Yeah, Zach, you and I have talked about Ashen a few times, <laughs> and every time you talk about it, it makes me really excited to eventually play it. This whole podcast has such a wonderfully diverse array of games of the year. Like, I, I mean, there's been a couple repeats, but I totally did not expect pretty much everyone to come out with something that we haven't talked about before. And some of these, like, maybe a little more obscure. This is great. My, you guys are my game of the year is Grand Theft Auto V. <laughs> game of the year every year if you're looking at sales. No, my but game like, of the year is Fortnite. God of War, but it's like, I knew other people would cover it, and it... I want to, it's a great way to showcase games others might not have been as passionate about, I guess. And uh, speaking of games, uh, we got two more left, uh, and it looks like Jeff is next on the docket. So, Jeff, why don't you tell us about your game of the year? Yeah, so my game of the year is another really close. Um, hey, Zach, you're cutting out. You man. were dropping for a second. Yeah, you were dropping pretty hard for me. Okay. Um, am I okay now? You're good. You you're good. Yeah. Okay, um, so I was really close to giving my game of year to God of War, but um, it, when I started thinking about it more, there's one game that stuck with me more than that. And, you know, I play games for a few different reasons. There's. We Jeff? lost them again. Oh, no. Zach, no! It's Jeff. It's Jeff. Jeff's frozen. Zach now we're never going to know. Why no. does he play games? <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, I need to know why you play games. Do you he's want to stuck making that to, face? Uh, yeah, let's. Like, he's just stuck. He's stuck. In, he's stuck between worlds. And we also can't hear Zach. <laughs> okay, sorry, I muted myself because I was you are. sniffling. Let's well, we oh move on to Derek while we let Jeff. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Let's go ahead and move on to Derek. Derek, all let's right. Hit us with your game of the year. All right, can do, and hopefully Jeff gets back to us. Um, actually, first before we move on to me, um, Zach, did we have? Oh, or um, oh, everything's Wait. moving. There he is. There he is. <laughs> There all right, is. Zach. Oh, okay, back from the void. All right, Jeff. Let's let yeah. Jeff continue. Let, let, yep, let's pass it back to Jeff. I need to know why you play games, and I need to know your game of the year. Like <laughs> that, that. that was where you trailed off. We heard. Yeah. We heard there are a couple reasons why I play games, and then you stopped. I have a 300 megabit connection, so I don't know why it's dropping. Um, so no, what I was gonna say is there's three things I really look for in games. There's the narrative, which is like the story. Uh, that's one thing that'll really get me. Um, there's pure gameplay, which is why I play Steep, one of the great Ubisoft titles of our time. Uh, and then there's what I would consider like atmosphere, like the general feel of a game, the feeling of existing within that game um, and the vibes that it gives you. And one of those, the things that hit all three of those for me 
Uh, this year was Night in the Woods. I think it's technically oh, a 2017 release. Oh, look at that. Oh, oh my God, it's But I didn't play it till this year. So Night in the Woods, it's made by a super small team called uh, Infinite Fall. Um, and you're just basically a character named Mai, or May or Mai? Um, May. May, thank you. In a small town. Uh, she just came back from college, basically dropped out. And, it, you know, one thing I've noticed, uh, especially on the podcast here, but just in general across the gaming community in recent years is it's not just the games we love, it's what they make us feel and the way they make us look back on our own lives and reflect on our own experiences and what we see in them. Um, and what I love about Night in the Woods is how well it captures that feeling of early adulthood. You know, I remember being in college, I switched my programs a few times, I left one, basically dropped out, failed out of it. Uh, and I just remember that feeling of feeling completely lost and directionless in life um in, both in terms of like school but also your friends and not really knowing where you're supposed to be or what you're supposed to do and and the way that this game captures all of that in such a clever well-written way the humor in the game is fantastic the writing is excellent the characters are all unique and different and none of them feel like archetypes like they all feel like individuals i mean they're a little goofy because it's like kind of a cartoon but um, they're all very real and relatable and there's, you know, a couple of parts that sp stick out specifically to me, but one I love is an interaction between May and, uh, her friend B and it was like, uh, are we just friends? Cause we're both stuck in the same town. Are we friends by proximity? Like, would we still be friends, uh, if we weren't just trapped here together? Uh, and you know, I think all of us have probably drifted apart from people over the years. Yeah. Uh, and I know I've felt a lot of guilt over like, you know, is this, my fault did i not do enough to maintain this friendship was this ever really a real friendship to begin with or you know was it just an artificial construction um and this game just really brought me back to a lot of feelings i totally forgotten about and on top of that it's just a really awesome game uh the the music segments are super fun and cool um the soundtrack is fantastic the visuals and the art design is awesome and i think it was only made by like a couple of people um and it had some really surprising social topics especially at the end of the game uh about the, the way the, the fear of change and the the sometimes dangerous attachment to the old ways of life and resisting that change and refusing to uh you know grow up and move on in the world is uh yeah it just blew me away and i wasn't expecting it uh and it's just a super tight package i think i finished it in like eight hours it doesn't overstay its welcome. Uh, it's extremely well paced, and I, I would recommend it to pretty much anyone. I think I don't know that there's a a type of person that I I don't think would enjoy this game. Can I just say that like I'm not just saying this because I love you guys, but some of the descriptions for our games of the year are just fucking blowing me away. Like uh, this is this is the this is the content I crave, guys. Jeff, that was fucking can, beautiful, man. Can I add a small yeah. thing to to like in agreement with Jeff? Uh, sure. The yeah. one thing that I, the one, well, there's tons of things I really love about uh, Night in the Woods, but like, it feels like it's one of the first games um, written by millennials for millennials, and that like the way the dialogue is written is like very much for, yeah. for people our age. Whereas like games at Life is Strange definitely try and they definitely <laughs> get away with it, but it doesn't stick the landing. Whereas like Night in the Woods was like consistently written in a way that was both funny and also felt like incredibly real. It understands like, yeah. our weird kind of like depressed nihilism yeah, that's like just yeah. mainstream in geeky millennial yeah. culture. Like, exactly. You know, 
Night in the Woods was a real experience for me playing because like I would go back and forth between just cracking up at some of the jokes and having to take breaks because it was hitting. It was so real and hitting so close to home with me. I loved that game so much. So I'm glad we brought it up. Yeah, that was fantastic. Yeah, yeah someone Jeff in chat those... said uh, someone in chat said you should follow um, Scott Benson, the developer of that game, on Twitter. Mm, okay. Agreed. Uh, yes, at, at bombsfall. Yeah, you can definitely tell why that game's so funny looking at his tweets. Yeah, he's a can very just, funny uh, guy and a very active guy. Can I just also give Jeff props for those fucking dark horse choices for runner-up in game of the year? I yeah, I, I know. I not see those coming at all. Like that's, yeah. We've I, had I a great selection with, with basically, you know, the only repeats have been God of War so far, right? And that's to God be, of that's War to was, be I think, your runner-up yeah, in really Justin's game, yeah. game of the year. So, uh, that, it's, oh, man, this has been some real choice diversity in here. Well, and um, speaking of speaking of games of the year, we've got one more left. And, yeah. and Derek, I am very curious about this because yeah. if Smash wasn't your game of the year, and like, I am very curious to know what yeah. actually. Did like I said, play. top ten anime betrayals right there. Um, first off, uh, Justin, was there anything else that we needed to read for Lulu or? Did we get uh, her whole no, thing at no, first? No, that, that was that was her whole. We um, got her whole thing in one. Okay, thing, cool, yeah. cool. Making sure. Um, so here's the thing. This is going to be weird because I actually personally enjoy Smash more, and I think that Smash is a bigger game in many ways. But I think that for me, I was sitting here asking myself, what what do I even count as game of the year? Right? Like, how am I going to measure this out? Um, and my actual game of the year choice. I think was meaningful for a lot of conversations about the industry and a lot of creative conversation about how we approach, um, you know, existing franchises. I love the suspense, um, by the way. I'd yeah. So my game of the year pick is Monster Hunter World. Um, I do not think that Monster Hunter World is the single best game to have come out this year, although I think it is damn good and belongs in the running for like a top five. Um I don't think that it's necessarily for everyone. It probably wasn't my favorite game of this year. Um, but Monster Hunter World took a series that has been kind of a dark horse in, in gaming like culture for a while, right? Like Monster Hunter has been this monolithic, massive presence over in Japan on handhelds um, and, and kind of like been a real like niche favorite here in the West. And it's never broken out. Um, and there's always been these questions about like, well, but it's such a good game series. Like, what does it have to do? What does it have to change to make that happen? Um, and there was a lot of drama around Monster Hunter World when it was first announced um, and leading up to release and shortly after release about like what it was going to throw away of Monster Hunter to make it work for the West, make it work on PS4. You know, there was console war fights. And, and ultimately, Monster Hunter World sacrificed next to nothing in the grand scheme of things does it does it ever really hit you guys that we got a game that broke 10 million units um with with stuff as goofy as monster hunter world is um with with talking meowling cartoon cats and and giant daddy cat they cook chefs you dinner. They cook that you cook dinner. you dinner they cook right. a delicious meal right that that is as, as ridiculous as monster hunter world is but it didn't sacrifice like it added in these story elements it gave us a bit more of a desaturated, slightly more westernized art style, but it didn't dumb down the gameplay and combat mechanics. Um, it chose not to go for an open world design, instead going for that more of open map design. Oh no, we lost and we got back. Um, that open map design. Uh, so traditionally, Monster Hunter games have their their 
maps for the regions are like little area one, area two, area three, and instead of being the larger cohesive maps that Monster Hunter World had. Um, so it, it decided it 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 wanted to buck a lot of the popular trends in gaming and prove you didn't have to just go with the stereotypical, like, this is how you make a big Western game. Um, it was still Monster Hunter. It was still a very Japanese game. It was still a very difficult game to play. Uh, it was. It didn't dumb down its combat or its mechanisms at all. Um, and it proved that a lot of times when you've got a big franchise like that and you're looking to increase what it takes for the number of people to love it um, and want to experience it, you don't necessarily have to sacrifice um, what makes it good. Um, it, it throws away any of these notions that, that Western must equal dumbed down. Um, you know, we like our games kind of on a bigger scale, uh, but you don't have to discard uh, and take yourself overtly serious and, and become this big open world simplified combat um, type of game. Um, and I think on top of that, there's a lot to say for in a in an industry where people are are kind of upset about like microtransactions, free like we're we're kind of like figuring out where we stand on a lot of these financial issues, right? And Monster Hunter World came out and gave us a big ass game for sixty dollars, and then added some free stuff over time, and it's now they're going to give us too, a right big there. expansion, which we need to do a uh, discussion on at some point soon. Um, but it really came out and said, look, like if we're if, if this game can sell enough, we're just going to make it this, you know, we'll sell some little piece of DLC. They sell some cosmetic DLC, um, some little stuff, but all of the new monsters in the game, including the behemoth from Final Fantasy, which is That's a, a weird a great. Yeah. It's a great choice, um, but they've just been in just added just in free um, and he's a bitch of a fight. I got to warn you, man. But um so I love Monster Hunter World because I think it's interesting to see such a very, very like niche for our sphere of the gaming world um, franchise really blow up, become mainstream. Hi, puppy. I love you, too. Thank you for coming and joining me um, and, and blowing up and becoming mainstream and getting a lot of this mainstream attention to the point where I was seeing like regular Facebook friends who play video games and aren't tuned in, like, you know, talking about Monster Hunter. Um, you know, and just, yeah, showing that a lot of times the difference between a series that that maybe hasn't fully caught on yet, um, you know, and something that can be massive, like money, polish, yes, those kind of things can be necessary, but you don't have to sacrifice the soul of what made your franchise in the first place. And I think that's what a lot of people were expecting and, and either expecting or asking for Monster Hunter to do to catch on. Um, it didn't have to do that. I just think that's um, that makes it relevant in a way that Smash Brothers is not, even if I like it more. Smash Brothers is Smash Brothers. Monster Hunter found a way to become more than itself without discarding itself. Derek, I just want to point out that uh, Imran, uh, Imran Khan in chat says, both of Derek's Game of the Year choices have Rathalos in them. Conspiracy? Yeah, it is. Absolutely. Can you speak um, on this, please? Yeah. Um, I have to go. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna come back in the Wario costume. Damn it! No, he didn't. I'm not. So, um, so by the way, yes, I owe you guys a Waluigi costume appearance. It's 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 coming. I promise. Uh, Derek, that was a great rundown Thank of you. Uh, of Monster Hunter World, man. Like like, I, I can I just say that I like I'm happy for I'm happy for two things. One that everybody's choices were just so everything hit everybody on a personal level, Wait. which I think is always great. Like you know, it's it's. 
What's that? Are, are you saying we're done? <sighs> oh, no. <laughs> Can I just no, point out there's please. like two dogs on screen right now, and it's Wait, awesome. Real quick, great. before Saki <laughs> announces it, does anyone want to hazard a guess what Saki's game of the year is? Let's hear Pokemon it. Octopath. It better be Octopath Traveler. Let's hear it. Look, I don't Love think it. you guys understand. Can, can we just get a clip of Saki going, <laughs> Beat Saber! Out of context. I have just fine, fine. video of Saki just oblivious of me filming while she's just going. And t- she's better at that game than I am. <laughs> yes, Zach, I agree. Zach does need me to say it. I agree, Zach. I'm completely. here for it. I Listen, <laughs> Beat Saber deserves some praise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool okay so like i was saying oh my god it's 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 going now now we're going downhill john um, why do you hate Saki? i don't i i really don't it's like it's just, it's, i really don't it's just expected of me at this point um but uh so what was it gonna i fuck i, I got i, got I think that you were saying I, I that we all had great saying, choices we, we, we were gonna say so, so so the two things uh two things i really love here are one that everybody's choices were so personal and everything resonated with anybody with everybody on an emotional level, uh, which I think is great and, and kind of lends to some great discussions about, you know, why we love not just our games of the year, not just our runners up, but our but games in general. I, I, I love these discussions as to as to not just, you know, m- what mechanically do we love about the, these games, but also like on a personal level, what about these games touches us? You know, what about these games resonates with us? What about these games reminds us of things from our past or makes us think about the future? And that is something that I think is extremely valuable. And uh, I, I just, I love that kind of discussion. And the other thing that I really love about this whole thing is that not a single mention of Red Dead Redemption 2 anywhere. What? Not a yeah. Just a spite no, 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 no. Am I the, the only game? person that actually finished it on this so. show? I think, I think so, I'm the yeah. only one that actually finished the game on this show. I remember Zach, Zach was like, I think I'm almost, at the, I'm, almost, I'm almost at the end, and Justin's like, no, buddy. <laughs> and I think, Zach, did you nope out at that point? I think, no, I... No, my significant... Yeah, like three separate other, people were like... Mm. Yeah, my, my significant other keeps begging me to go back because uh, she's really fond of it, uh, but it's not going to happen. <laughs> so, uh, so I, I, I want to do some some quick housekeeping real quick. Um, we've got some new people in chat. McCrank uh, underscore Shank says this is his first time watching, and it was a blast. Thanks for having me. We are happy that you are here. And uh, for, I, <clears throat> I see a lot of new people in chat. A lot of people, a lot of new people lurking that I don't recognize. Please, please uh, don't forget to follow us here on our Twitch channel. Uh, we are on SoundCloud as well. Just search for SDGC. All of our episodes go up there, and we also have a YouTube channel where basically all of our individual uh, con- like Twitter pages, as well as all of our different like YouTube, Medium, SoundCloud, all that are below in the channel description. We've got links um, hyperlinked in there. So yep. follow, subscribe, whatever the correct verbiage is on Do all, all those various stuff. platforms. We've got some. We've got some cool stuff coming up ahead. We've got some. Uh, we're working out dates and times right now, but we've got some collaboration coming up with Spawn on Me. Uh, if anybody is a fan of Spawn on Me podcast, uh, they're a great group of people, and oh, we are yeah. going to be we're going to be doing some stuff with them here very soon in the future. Uh, this weekend, we are recording more of our Final Fantasy retrospective episodes. We're going to be doing Final Fantasy six through ten, and we are going to be joined for these by Natalie Flores from RPG Site. Nice. Uh, and uh, I'm very very excited for that. I know Rebecca is very excited for that. And uh, Rebecca, you're joining us for the Final Fantasy six talk. Are you going to be there for any yeah. of the others? 
Final Fantasy VI is the only Final Fantasy I've beaten. Well, then there you go. All right. So so Rebecca will be there as well. Um, there's a, And, of course, we've got PAX East coming up as well. We are going to have uh, six, maybe seven of us if, if Rebecca is there. Everybody's putting their faces in the camera now, and I don't know how to handle it. But <laughs> but it's going to be great. We are going to have a huge presence at PAX East next year. I am very much looking forward to and, it. It's good. Go ahead, Zach, and, please. And, John, John, before we close, I, I just want to say that um, – all of us on the podcast have different things going on over the next couple couple days and, and for the next week over the holiday season. Uh, and so we will not have another episode until into the new year. But I do want to say that uh, we know the holidays can be hard for some people. Not everybody has an easy dynamic. Um, and so we, we are going to try to have some pre-recorded content that goes live. And then uh, next week, I know several of us are going to try to do uh, some game streams with, with other members of the show. Um, and so we will try to try to you know provide some escapism and and have some fun for for folks who who might just be looking for something a little bit less intense and stressful than than family holidays. Um, but uh, yeah, like John's been saying, thanks everybody for for hanging out and listening to us talk about some really good fucking video games. Terrible year, great video games. This great. great. And, and, and if, if I could just chime in and just say we truly appreciate all the people that take the time out of their day. It's not easy to block an hour and a half to two hours to listen to internet strangers ramble about video <laughs> games but you chose us and it means a lot we love you guys in the chat and when you talk to us on twitter so thank you we wouldn't be doing this without you guys uh well we might but you make it better <laughs> so thank you guys all right Yep, Saki loss, everybody. And just as a reminder, we will, uh, like Zach said, we will not be on next week, we'll, but we're going to have those Final Fantasy retrospectives going for you and hopefully uh, one or two other things as well. And as always, it's not always poetry and we don't always agree, but we always keep it real. So everybody have a very safe and happy uh, Merry Christmas and a wonderful New Year. And we will see you uh, in 2019. See you on the flippy floppy.